tabernacle for some time now, and we want to try and finalize it today. Uh, I've entitled the, today's talk, the, the Start of a Journey. Some while ago when we started this, we saw that God had said to Moses in Exodus 26 verse 8, And let them make me a sanctuary that I may dwell among them. What an amazing concept that must have been to Moses and to the elders and the children of Israel. That God, in fact, wanted to come and dwell amongst them. And we are tempted perhaps to say, wouldn't it have been wonderful for us to have been there? And God had said that he was going to come and dwell amongst the people. But you know, as we look at the New Testament, the situation in which we find ourselves, those of us who have come by faith and trust into a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ, we have repented of our sins and we have uh, come to the cross of Jesus and we accepted Christ as our Savior, we are in a relationship with God, our Father. And Paul writing to the Corinthians in 1 Corinthians 6.19, he says, What? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which ye have of God, and ye are not your own? For ye are bought with a price, therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. We have been bought by the precious blood of the Lord Jesus Christ and when we accept him as our saviour his Holy Spirit comes and dwells within us. Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost? I was slightly sidetracked perhaps on Friday when I was looking at these passages. I realize that Paul in his letters to the Corinthians says quite often, know ye not, know ye not. Do you not know? Do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit? And eight or nine times he, he, he says, do you not know? And it would be a good exercise for you or, or for us someday to, to go through all those know ye nots. Know ye not that ye are the temple of God, and that the Spirit of God dwelleth in you? 1 Corinthians 3.16 1 Corinthians 5 verse 6 Your glorying is not good. Know ye not that a little leaven leaveneth the whole lump? Oh yes, he says, be careful. A little sin, a little wrong doctrine, a little error here and there allowed to creep into your life and he says it'll spread it'll spread like yeast going into the loaf it'll spread we wonder sometimes when we look at churches we see churches that have been uh, examples to others around and suddenly we see that by degrees little things have crept in and before we know it that church has gone off the rails regarding doctrine and various things because a little leaven leaveneth the whole lump. We need to be careful. We need to examine ourselves. 1 Corinthians 6.19 Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which ye have of God. 
ye are not your own. Second Corinthians thirteen five. Examine yourselves whether ye be in the faith. Just look and see that what you're doing is according to the doctrine and teaching of Scripture. Prove your own selves. Test yourselves. As a as a silversmith tests silver to see if it is of the right uh, purity, he says you have to test yourselves. Know ye not your own selves. Get to know what you're thinking and what you're doing. Know ye not your own selves how that Jesus Christ is in you. He dwells within us in the person and power of his Holy Spirit. But let's not get sidetracked on that. But let's go on. Now what we want to do this morning is I'm going to put some things up on the overhead projector and we're going to look first of all perhaps at the way Moses is a type of the Lord Jesus Christ and then we'll go on to look at the Old Covenant and the New Covenant and see how they compare from what we have learned over the past months. And so we want to turn in our Bibles to Hebrews chapter 3 and we read a few verses just from Hebrews chapter 3 and starting at verse 1. Wherefore, holy brethren, partakers of the heavenly calling, consider the apostle and high priest of our profession, Christ Jesus. The high priest of our profession, Christ Jesus. We saw in pictures before all the pictures of the high priest and we saw aspects of what he did were reflected in so much greater detail in our Lord Jesus Christ. But go on. Christ Jesus who was faithful to him that appointed him as also Moses was faithful in all his house. For this man was counted worthy of more glory than Moses, inasmuch as he who hath built the house hath more honour than the house. For every house is builded by some man, but he that built all things is God. And Moses verily was faithful in all his house as a servant for a testimony of those things which were to be spoken after. But Christ is a son over his own house. Whose house are we if we hold fast the confidence and the rejoicing of the hope firm unto the end? The house built by Moses as a servant of God. And we saw as we looked at previously that Moses is a type of Christ. Now when we say he's a type of Christ, there are aspects of his life. We see it perfected completely in the life of the Lord Jesus. Moses built a house as a servant of God. But we read here that the house built by Christ as the Son of God and you know, we saw a few weeks ago that Jesus said, I will build my church. I will build my church. Sometimes we think we're building our fellowship, we're building our churches. 
And that's a sad fact. We are trying to build them up. But in actual fact, Jesus said, I will build my church. He's the one who is building the church. Not you, not me, not some minister, some pastor. No, the church is being built by Jesus Christ. And we are the stones. We are the stones. We're living stones put in to this building, which he is building. And you know, the stones are put there by the master builder. The stones just don't suddenly get up and go into the wall. No, they are placed. And Christ is placing you and me and others into his church. And we are being built up in him. It's interesting in Exodus chapter 40. We saw that everything had been prepared, everything was ready, and all the, the workmen and the people who'd done the, the fine and tricked work, and the women who had done the embroidery, everything was presented to Moses to examine it. And it says it had all been done in accordance with the word of the Lord. They'd carried it out to, to God's plan. We need to make sure when we are doing anything that we're doing it in accordance with God's plan. We saw that. Moses was pleased with it. God was pleased with it. And then God instructed Moses to build the tabernacle. And in chapter 40, if you go back to Exodus 40 sometime and read it, there's nobody else mentioned in erecting the tabernacle that very first time. It was Moses did this. Moses did that. Or in accordance with the way God wanted it. And when he had finished it, God was pleased. And we read here that it is Jesus Christ who is building his church. It is Jesus Christ who is building. The house built by Christ as the Son of God. And you know when that building was finished. You see there the second item. Exodus 40, 34 and verse 35. Then a cloud covered the tent of the congregation and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle and Moses was not able to enter into the tent of the congregation because the cloud abode thereon and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. Oh yes, when it was finished God was pleased and to show his pleasure the glory of the Lord came down on the tabernacle and it filled it. So much so that Moses was not able to go in because of the powerful presence of God. You know, the, the end of the book of Exodus and the beginning of the book of Acts, they run in parallel. It's his counterpart. Acts is the counterpart, as it were, of the end of the, the book of Exodus. Uh, both are at the start of a journey. And what happened? In Acts 2, the Holy Spirit descended and filled all the house where the disciples were. Oh yes, Jesus had told them to go and wait and that they would receive power after that the Holy Spirit has come upon them. And they waited. And the Holy Ghost came in power and it filled all the house. Moses was the builder of the earthly sanctuary. 
made of earthly materials. And this would perish and fade eventually and pass away. Christ is the builder of a heavenly and spiritual house which is eternal and will not fade away. You know, I love those verses in 1 Peter chapter 1 and verses 3 and 4. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to his abundant mercy hath begotten us again unto a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. We are begotten unto a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. As sure as Jesus Christ rose from the dead, our hope is fixed on that. And he says we are, we are begotten to an inheritance. Oh yes, we have an inheritance. We hear a lot about inheritances these days because of the stock market. People's savings have dwindled. People's pensions are not as big as they intended. They're fading. They're, they're being got at. In, in, in America we have all these companies which have had corrupt directors. And the inheritance that people had by investing in that company has been corrupted. And listen, here's what it says. First Peter 1, 3 and 4. To an inheritance incorruptible. Incorruptible. Our inheritance in Christ Jesus is incorruptible. It's undefiled. It won't be affected by crooks and gangsters. As people's earthly uh, inheritance has been affected. And it won't fade away. You know, we, we sometimes get out the old family photographs, don't you? And, and you look at some of the old ones which were taken years ago and you can hardly see who's on them because the image has faded away. But our inheritance isn't going to be like that. It's going to be fresh and clean and pure and incorruptible, undefiled. And the wonderful thing, it's reserved. It's reserved in heaven. For you, for you, for me. It's reserved. It's got, a, it's got a name on it. We used to sing that song. There's a new name written up in glory and it's mine. Praise God, it's mine. With my sins forgiven, I am bound for heaven, never more to roam. There's a new name. My name's written in heaven. And my inheritance is reserved. Got a reserved seat. Looking forward to it. Moses had led the people of God out of Egypt. And you know, Egypt is, is always a type of the world. Moses had led them out of Egypt. In Galatians 1, chapter 3 and 4, verse 3 and 4, we say, Our Lord Jesus Christ, Paul speaking of, of Jesus Christ our Lord, who gave himself for our sins, that he might deliver us from this present evil world, according to the will of God our Father. He's redeemed us from this present evil world. Yes, we have to live down here. We have to still walk through the wilderness of this earth. But we have been redeemed out of this world. And in Colossians 3.13, Christ hath redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us, for it is written, Cursed is every man that hangeth on a tree. 
You know, Moses delivered the people from Pharaoh, the ruler of Egypt, worshipped as a god. These pharaohs. What does it say? Jesus called some people in the, the, the Pharisees years ago. He says, you're of your father, the devil. The, the, the prince of this world is judged. Satan. He's the one that people worship. People complain when something happens. That uh, How does God allow it? It's because people have been worshipping the wrong God. They've been worshipping the God of this world. They haven't been worshipping God in heaven. The Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. And then Jesus said an amazing thing. In John 16 verse 33. These things have I spoken unto you. That ye may have peace. In the world ye shall have tribulation. Well. Stop there for a minute. How does that work? He said. I have. That ye might have peace. In the world ye shall have tribulation. How can we have peace. And tribulation. Well. The reason is we can have it because we can have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. We can have that peace which passes all understanding. It should keep your hearts and minds in the knowledge and love of God. We have that peace, that inner peace. Oh yes, Jesus said, in the world you shall have tribulation. They hated me, so they'll hate you. We'll have problems. We'll have difficulties. But you will have that peace with God. Through our Lord Jesus Christ. If you look at. If you go back to uh, Thessalonians. The second uh, book of Thessalonians. Paul writing to them. He said. In chapter 1. Verse 3. We are bound to thank God always for you brethren. As it is meet. Because that your faith groweth exceedingly. And the charity of every one of you toward each other aboundeth. So that we ourselves glory in you in the churches of God for your patience and faith in all your persecutions and tribulations that ye endure. These Thessalonians, these young Christians were suffering because of their faith. But Paul rejoiced in it. And Jesus said. In the world ye shall have tribulation. But then he goes on to say. But be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. I have overcome the world. Moses led the people out of Egypt. Away from Pharaoh. Away from the control of Pharaoh. He says be of good cheer. Jesus says, I've overcome the world. Moses told the people to slay a lamb and sprinkle the blood on the lintel and the doorposts. And through faith in the death of that lamb, they were freed from slavery. Jesus Christ is the Lamb of God. Through faith in the death of the Lamb of God, we have been delivered from the bondage power and penalty of sin. Turn to Romans chapter 6. Romans 6. We read just a few verses. What shall we say then? 
Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Yes, God forbid. How shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? Oh, we, we don't sin just because, so that grace will abound more. And people were saying, well, if God's grace is so wonderful, even if I sin anymore, keep on sinning so that the grace may be even more abounding. No, no, we don't live like that. We can't use our license. We don't have a license just to sin so that God's grace may abound. Go on to uh, verse 8. Now if we be dead with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him, knowing that Christ, being raised from the dead, dieth no more. Death hath no more dominion over him. For in that he died, he died unto sin once, but in that he liveth, he liveth unto God. Likewise reckon ye also yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin, but alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Let not sin, therefore, reign in your mortal body, that ye should obey it in the lust thereof. Neither yield ye your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin, but yield yourselves unto God as those that are alive from the dead, and your members as instruments of righteousness unto God. For sin shall not have dominion over you, for ye are not under the law, but under grace. We used to sing that chorus. Sin shall not have dominion over you. Oh, what a glorious message, and it's true. God hath said it, it must stand. Pass it on, it's simply grand. Sin shall not have dominion over you. The Israelites were under the authority of Moses as they left Egypt. As they left Egypt, they placed themselves under the authority of Moses. He was their leader. He was the one who was going to guide them and direct them on their journey through the wilderness. Colossians 1 verse 18, talking about the Lord Jesus Christ, he is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he might have the preeminence. In my life, in every aspect of my life, as I go through this wilderness journey, as the children of Israel place themselves under the control of Moses, we must in all things give Jesus Christ the preeminence in our life. Moses led the people to the mountain of God, where God was revealed to his people. And there God revealed his desire to dwell with his people. Moses led them to the mountain of God. And there God spoke to them. God spoke to them. But when he spoke, he spoke in a frightening way. Go back to Exodus chapter 19. And we'll see what happened when they arrived at this mountain. And the Lord, verse 10, And the Lord said unto Moses, Go unto the people and sanctify them today and tomorrow, and let them wash their clothes, and be ready against the third day. For the third day the Lord will come down in the sight of all the people upon Mount Sinai. And thou shalt set bounds unto the people round about, saying, Take heed to yourselves that ye go not up into the mount, or touch the border of it. Whosoever toucheth the mount shall be surely put to death. 
and so on. And there shall not a hand touch it, but he shall surely be stoned, or shot through, whether it be beast or man. It shall not live. When the trumpet soundeth long, they shall come up to the mount. Moses went down from the mount unto the people and sanctified the people, and they washed their clothes. And then we go on to verse 10, and it came to, uh, 16. And it came to pass on the third day in the morning that there were thunders and lightnings and a thick cloud upon the mount, and the voice of the trumpet exceeding loud, so that all the people that was in the camp trembled. Verse 18. And the mount Sinai was altogether on a smoke, because the Lord descended upon it in fire, and the smoke thereof ascended as the smoke of a furnace, and the mount quaked greatly. And when the voice of the trumpet sounded long and waxed louder and louder, Moses spake, and the Lord answered him by a voice. What an awesome sight. In fact, the people didn't want to speak to God. They said to Moses, you speak. They were afraid. Oh, they saw God in all his awesomeness, and God is still the same God. God hasn't changed. Now, we are fortunate we live in an age of grace. Let's turn to Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews 12 and verse 18. You know, in First Peter, we have that verse up there. First Peter 3.18 Christ also hath suffered, once suffered for sins, the just for the unjust, that he might bring us to God. He might bring us to God. Moses took the people and brought him, brought them to the, the Mount of God where they met with God. Christ has suffered for sins once so that he might bring us to God. But in Hebrews 12, we see the difference the, 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 that grace makes. Chapter 12, uh, 12 and verse 18. For we are not come unto the mount that might not that might be we are not come unto the mount that might be touched and that burned with fire, nor unto blackness and darkness and tempest, and the sound of a trumpet and the voice of words, which voice they that heard entreated that the word should not be spoken to them any more. For they could not endure that which was commanded, and if so much as a beast touched the mountain it shall be stoned are thrust through with a dart. And so terrible was the sight that Moses said, I exceedingly fear and quaint. But it says, We are come unto Mount Zion, unto the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, to an, to an innumerable company of angels. And so on. And to Jesus, in verse 24, the mediator of the new covenant, and to the blood of sprinkling that speaketh better things than that of Abel. We are come to Jesus Christ, the mediator of the new covenant. Not to a mountain that cannot be touched. Jesus Christ is the mediator between God and man. The man Christ Jesus, who gave himself a ransom for all let's move on the purpose 
of the tabernacle was so that the presence of God would be with them on the journey to the promised land. And you know, that first time when the cloud descended and filled the tabernacle, it signified the start of God's presence being with the people and the start of a journey. When the cloud descended, they stopped. When the cloud was lifted, they started their journey. They kept going until the cloud eventually stopped. They set up camp again. About two or three million people all following this cloud through the wilderness. What an amazing sight. What a testimony to the people round about. That they were prepared to follow their God a pillar of cloud by day or a pillar of fire by night. And as soon as that lifted away they went. We have no abiding city here. That's the way we should live. Now I don't say we shouldn't be buying houses and things, not in that way. In our Christian walk, in our Christian pathway, we should be prepared to follow Jesus Christ wherever he leads. Where he leads me I will go, for I have learned to trust him so. And I remember it was for me that he was slain on Calvary. Jesus shall lead me night and day. Jesus shall lead me all the way. He is the dearest friend to me when I remember Calvary. You know, they, they didn't have an abiding place. You know, they might have been there for months. One of the men might have said, ah, I think we'll grow a few cabbages here. Get the seeds out and we'll plant them and we'll make a little bed. Get them all ready the next morning. Clouds away. Away we go. They had no abiding city. We do not, we are not of this world. We are not of this world. We're in the world, but we're not of the world. And we should get that into our heads. Follow him, follow him, yield your life to him. He has conquered death. He is king of kings. Jesus said, I am with you always. The presence of God went with them through the desert. Jesus said, I am with you always, even unto the end. And he said this a wonderful thing. Talking in John 14, verse 16, he says, I will pray the Father, and he shall give you another comforter, that he may abide with you forever. Note that Jesus said, I will pray the Father, and he will send a comforter who would abide with us forever talks about the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive. Doesn't know him. But ye know him for he, he dwells with you. He's in you. That's the wonderful truth. We have, as we go through the journey through this wilderness, we have the assurance that he will never leave us nor forsake us. He prayed to the Father to send the Holy Spirit. We do not pray directly to the Holy Spirit unless in the context of the Trinity. And that is the trouble with all these Alpha courses and things. They pray to the Holy Spirit. There is no example and no instruction anywhere in Scripture where we should pray 
to the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit comes and his job is to glorify the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus, he prayed to his Father to send the Spirit into the lives of his friends. And now we, 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 we'll, we look at the, the, the tabernacle itself. We know as we, as we examined it over the weeks, there were various aspects of it. Hebrews 10, verse 11. Every priest standeth daily, ministering and offering, oft times the same sacrifices which can never take away sin. One sacrifice for the Lord Jesus Christ, many in the tabernacle. Hebrews 10 verse 12. But this man, the Lord Jesus Christ, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down at the right hand of God. Oh yes, the priests had to offer many sacrifices. But Jesus Christ, when he offered himself, one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down. There were daily sacrifices. Hebrews 7.27 Who needeth not daily as those high priests to offer up sacrifice first for his own sins and then for the people's. Oh yes, when the, when the high priest had to go into the, the uh, most holy place on the day of atonement he just couldn't go in and offer sins for the people he has to offer first a sacrifice for his own sins and then for the sins of the people. Because he was sinful. He had to be right with God before he could intercede on behalf of the others. But what did we say in that last verse? But this man, the Lord Jesus Christ, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down at the right hand of God. We saw in the tabernacle as we looked at it, that there were no seats because the men had to keep on offering sacrifice. The priest had to offer the same sacrifices maybe day in, day out, day in, day out. They were frail. Uh, the, the law maketh, it says in Hebrews 7.28, for the law maketh men high priests which have an infirmity. They, it doesn't mean that they were lame or something. It means that they were frail. They were human. They had sin. But we have a perfect high priest. For such an high priest became us, us who is holy, harmless, undefiled, separate from sinners, made higher than the heavens. Those priests were standing, offering monotonous, routine sacrifices. And every priest standeth daily, in Hebrews 10.11, standeth daily ministering and offering oft times the same sacrifices which can never take away sin. One sacrifice. Jesus Christ offered himself once and for all. This man, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down at the right hand of God. These priests in Hebrews 10.11, every priest standeth daily. Standeth. But Jesus signifying that his sacrifice was a complete, once for all sacrifice, he sat down on the right hand of God.
having therefore brethren in Hebrews 10:19 boldness to enter into the holiness by the blood of Jesus we then can come to our great high priest through his shed blood he has offered himself on the cross for you and for me he is our high priest who has gone into the heavenlies with his own sacrifice and presented it to God and with that sacrifice God was well pleased and through our high priest we have access into the very presence of God we saw that we were recognized as priests the ordinary Israelite could not enter into any part of the tabernacle sanctuary. The, or, the priests were able to go into the holy place but not into the holy of holies. The priests could go and they could minister as priests but they could not enter into the most holy place where they had could have had access to God it was only the great high it was only the high priest could do that and we are recognized as priests we can go into the presence of our high priest who brings our prayers and petitions petitions to God our heavenly father First John 1 verse 7 if we walk in the light as he is in the light we have fellowship one with another and the blood of Jesus Christ his son cleanseth us from all sin if we walk in the light as he is in the light we then have fellowship with each other but I believe we have it means we also have fellowship with our Lord Jesus Christ and the blood of his sacrifice cleanses us from all sin you know we saw that the these uh, sacrifices and the things that went on in the tabernacle were a shadow in Colossians 2 verse 17 they said they are a shadow of things to come they were there as pictures of the reality which would come in the Lord Jesus Christ the reality and I was thinking about this, and I was thinking about the recently we've had the Jubilee celebrations, and we've had the Queen uh, going through London in the golden coach. And how foolish it would be if you were in that crowd, and it was a sunny day, and the coach was casting a shadow on the ground, and you kept looking at the shadow as the coach went past when all you had to do was to lift your eyes and see the Queen in our golden coach and you know people uh, are unfortunately sometimes looking at the shadows of the things and haven't turned their eyes on the reality the Lord Jesus Christ turn your eyes upon Jesus look full in his wonderful face and the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace turn to Hebrews chapter 10 we read a few verses just there to, to, to show you the difference the things that have happened which are different for the law 
having a shadow of good things to come and not the very image of the things can never with those sacrifices which they offered year by year continually make the comers thereof perfect not all the blood of beasts we used to say saying on Jewish altars slain could give the guilty conscience peace or wash away the stain but Christ the heavenly lamb takes all our guilt away a sacrifice of nobler name and richer blood than they goes on verse 2 for then would they not have ceased to be offered because that the worshippers once purged should have had no more conscience of sins but they they didn't didn't purge for it is not possible in verse 4 that the blood of bulls and of goats should take away sin and so on if you read those verses when you go home we haven't time to read the whole chapter now and we are sanctified it says in verse 10 we are sanctified we are made holy through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all and every high priest standeth ministering and offering oft times the same sacrifices which can never take away sins but this man after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever sat down at the right hand of God and that is probably one of the key verses this man hath offered one sacrifice for sins forever oh yes the Roman Catholics they continue with the sacrifice of the mass the unbloody sacrifice they claim that the bread and the wine turns into the actual body presence deity everything of the Lord Jesus but he is seated at God's right hand he is sat he sat down there's no need for another sacrifice there's no need for this repetition you know in Acts it says that we're not to drink blood they're going against scripture they are drinking the blood of the Lord Jesus they are they claim that they are drinking the blood of the Lord Jesus and eating his body cannibalism we have the reality now the shadow has passed you know we've been looking at our great high priest we looked at the the picture of Melchizedek we saw that Melchizedek this man Melchizedek he was he was a priest of the Most High God King of Righteousness King of Peace and he came out to meet Abraham and Abraham offered him his tithes and we saw that he was pictured as having no genealogy he ha there's no record of his father or of his mother or of his birth and there's no record of his death he was as it were continually there as a priest of the high God The priests in the old in the Old Testament were appointed, but God didn't make them make that appointment to them with an oath. 
they, because they were going to die and the, a new priest would have to come and take over, another high priest, he would die, another high priest, and there was no permanency. But the picture of this man, Melchizedek, was one who had no beginning and no ending and who was a priest of the Most High God. And it says in Hebrews 7 verse 20, But this with an oath by him that hath said unto him, Jesus was appointed a priest by God. The Lord, it says, swear and will not repent. Thou art a priest forever. After the order of Melchizedek. Our Lord Jesus Christ, had, as, as the Son of God, had no beginning. He came from eternity. He will go into eternity. And he is a priest forever. Oh, the old, the old priests died, had to be another high priest. But Jesus Christ is a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. He will always be there. He will always be our high priest. He will always be there when we want him, when we come to pray, when we come to offer our thanks, our prayers, our offerings. He is there, our high priest, forever, forever and ever. You know, he that, anyone who despised Moses' law says in Hebrews 10.28, he that despised Moses' law died without mercy, but we have a merciful high priest, one to whom we can come and offer our praise and our worship every day and he will be there forever and ever time is gone I want to just try and close by saying we're on a journey we have our high priest in heaven interceding for us we're on a journey we have the Holy Spirit indwelling us we are new creations we started on the journey when we became Christians and we have our guide our comforter with us forever and ever. You know, I've enjoyed doing these tabernacle talks. I hope they have been of benefit to all of us as we consider our great high priest.